from game-winning shots. Walk off home runs. This ball is crushed. To last-second field goals. Guarantee Sports Corner. It's the Guarantee Sports Corner, wherever you may be, however you may be listening, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and it's already halfway through August. Schools are starting back up. Fall will be here shortly. Collegiate fall sports are in danger of not playing as of right now. Uh, College football looks like it's going in the direction of not having a season at all. And, you know, whether or not you agree with that or not, there's really not much that we can do about it. Um, Unfortunately, this whole COVID thing has thrown everything upside down, and we're just kind of adjusting to it, you know, as it's coming along. We're just kind of... We're going along with it right now. We're doing what you know we're able to do out there. So for the NCAA to come out conference by conference and to say that, oh, we're not going to be having a college football season and you know all that stuff. Yeah, it's a little frustrating as a fan because college football is the biggest collegiate sport out there. And I don't think anyone can argue against that. You know, it, it's a big time revenue, especially if you're the big schools. You know, people choose schools specifically for football programs, whether they're actually playing it or whether they're just a student, you know. They like to be able to just go to those games and, and feel that atmosphere that big-time college programs can provide for their students. So, I mean, that's a big turning point as, as far as college goes. So, I mean, there's not going to ever be a perfect formula to how we figure things out around here. Um, but I, I personally think they should have a shortened season. And I'm not sure how exactly they should do it, but but for the Power Five conferences, I think you need to make a format to have some kind of a tournament. I mean, because let's be honest, I mean, no non-Power Five team is the best team in college football. I mean, sure, you have your occasional uh, Cinderella stories, but I mean, majority of the time, a non-Power Five team is not the best team in college football so that's why I say let's just narrow it down to the power five schools and the best teams come out of those power five conferences and just have some kind of a tournament within their own conference so what I what I mean by that is have them play everyone in the conference so have them play even if they play nine games just have them play nine games and then once that nine game is over Take the top two from one division, take the other two from the division, and then seed them one through four. One, four, two, and three, and then you get your conference champion. And then maybe something after that, I don't know, take the take the five champions from the Power Five conferences, whoever has the best record out of all of them, they get to be the one seed, and then you do two, uh, two, or, yeah, two versus five, and then three versus four, and then go on from there. Have some kind of tournament to make things interesting. I mean, we all see what baseball had to do, how they had to adjust things, and we all see how basketball has had to change things with the bubble going on. Now, college football, you're kind of next up. I mean, we haven't really seen too much from the NFL and protocols and how they're gonna change things. And Because as of right now, it seems like it's going to be normal 
other than the fact that there's not going to be any fans at the game. So we haven't really heard a, I guess, a gravel decision on whether or not NFL season is going to be the same or not. But for college football, I think you, you just take the best from the best conferences, you have them play against each other, and somehow work out a way to find out who the best team in college football is. Now, it's going to be different, and nobody likes different. I mean, we all like the same things. We all freaked out when baseball changed their format to allow a fifth team into the playoffs. We freaked out. I personally freaked out when the NFL said they're going to allow a seventh team from each conference to get into the playoffs. We don't like change. I mean, we're comfortable with what we're what we're used to. We don't want to change any of that. But but now you gotta you gotta throw that aside. You gotta say, okay, well, it's gonna make some people uncomfortable, but we gotta go ahead and do it. So just have a tournament of some sort for college football. And if you want to, you could do it for all the conferences as well. But just know that there is an undefeated team in the Mountain West. They're not the best team in college football. They're just not. So I'm no expert on scheduling, but I feel like going in that direction would be great for college football. And you know, if it goes as far as if we don't even have a season, how is that going to work out for players who are going to the NFL? How is it going to work out for Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, you know, all these guys that are projected to go in the top ten in the NFL draft? How is that going to work out for them? You know, now they don't even have a senior season. Does that mean they get an eligibility pass? I mean, there's just so many variables to this thing. It's an ugly situation, but you know, we gotta work with what we're given and, and, and nothing is going to be perfect uh, as long as this pandemic is going on. So I don't know, it, it could tremendously hurt the players, you know, now that they have one less year of college football experience and now they're going in the NFL, maybe that one year was the stepping stone to reaching the next step. You know, and I'm not even just talking about the top 10 projects to go in the draft. I'm talking about the entire rookie board all the way across. I mean, now these guys from small schools, they're not going to get noticed because no one's going to be watching the games. You know, if there's no season at all, it's going to tremendously hurt everyone's draft stock, in my opinion. So I think it will set them back tremendously. I don't think college football is in any kind of rush to get back to playing, but from what it seems like now that more conferences are going out and saying we're not going to be playing in the fall, it's more and more leaning towards that way where we're, we may not have a college football season. So do I agree with it? Not necessarily, no. But then again, there's no perfect solution to this, to this you know, pandemic. There's nothing that we can do. We can't control it. So, I mean, if they do decide to come out with something, I'll give them kudos, you know, the NBA, I didn't love it at first, but it's working out, you know, so we're just going to have to wait and see what the NCAA is going to have to say about uh, whether or not we're going to have a college season or not. So I want to touch on an incident that happened on Sunday. The Astros and the A's played over the weekend, and there was a fight that happened. Baseball has an enemy now, and I think that concept is great for the MLB. So here's what happened. Uh, A's player Ramon Laureano got hit twice in a game. So after the second time he got hit, uh, you know, he's going over to first base, and a coach from the Astros dugout was kind of, you know, egging him on, saying some things to him. 
from what I know, it wasn't very nice. He might have said some nasty words towards him. Loriano got ticked off, and uh, he charged the Astros' dugout, and then both teams got into it. No one threw a punch. No one got hurt. But what really bothered me was the coach who was involved with the altercation. He didn't even come out of the dugout when that whole thing escalated. He hid behind Astros players and let them do the work. Hold up, hold up, hold up one second. You're starting a fight and you're not even the first one out there. That's my biggest issue out of all of this. The Astro coaches and players should be expecting something like this every single game. They should be living in fear for what they did because there were no consequences at all. The coach for the Astros got a 20 game suspension and Loriano got a five game suspension. But 20 games, big whoop. I mean, that's not harsh enough to make up for what they did. Now I know it's not entirely relative to the whole situation about the Astros cheating, but you know, 20 games, what's to say that he's not gonna do it again? Baseball is the only sport, in my opinion, of the major four where you just can't cheat. I'm sure there have been cheaters in other sports in the past, but baseball is a traditional sport. And I think that's what separates themselves from others. It's almost a gentleman's sport. Now it's not on the same level as golf, but there's class involved within the game. And now that everyone knows about what the Astros did, they wanna come after them. And honestly, I don't blame them for one second. You cheat in baseball, you get consequences in return. Yeah, Barry Bonds, McGuire, Sosa, all those steroid guys, yeah, they're linked to steroids in some way. Yeah, they haven't really been punished, but they're not getting into the Hall of Fame. That's their punishment. So you gotta, it's, it, what goes around comes around in baseball. So the Astros deserve everything and anything that comes after them. And I'm heated about this whole thing because the A's have finished second in the division the last two years in a row. And maybe if things were right, if everyone was playing the way the game should be, maybe the A's would have won a division or two. Maybe the A's could have gone further in the playoffs. We don't know. But the fact that nothing happened to the players is beyond me. You know, the Astro players should live in fear of a fastball coming at their head every game. And, and call me harsh, Call me irrational, but you cheat in a game like baseball, you're gonna get it coming from opposing teams. And, you know, no one's ever gonna be happy about this. I'm certainly never, I'm probably not gonna get over this for a long time. It's just one of those things like you cheated your way to win a World Series. And the fact that nothing was stripped away from the Astros, you know, they got their manager suspended, they lost some draft picks, okay. That, that's it, that's all, no player is suspended for being involved in that whole scandal, nothing? That's just like a slap in the wrist to me. So, I mean, there's never, I don't think anyone's ever gonna be satisfied, sure, even if you suspend the entire Astros team, you know, for a whole season, you know, I, if, if Rob Manfred decided to do that, then, you know, there'd be a lot of outrage from Astro fans and, and whatnot, but, you know, as far as them not getting a single game of suspension for that, it's just beyond me and I don't understand it. But I also want to talk about how no one is talking about the A's. They had a nine game winning streak a few days ago. 
And I think at some point last week, they were the best team in baseball, record-wise. They have the best record in the American League, and no one is talking about them. You know, keep sleeping on the A's, media. You know, they have a great team all the way, all the way around. They have the best third baseman in baseball. They have a top five first baseman in baseball. No one is talking about them. And that's all right. You can go ahead and keep it that way. But I don't want to see everyone surprised when they win the division this year. I don't want to see all these people getting on the A's bandwagon. I don't want to hear it. You know, no one's talking about them now. Don't talk about them when they're winning the division. So now I'm going to bring in my good friend Jimmy Davis all the way from Hawaii. Mr. Jimmy Davis, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, James. How are you? I'm doing fine. You see, I'm a little heated about this Astros thing. I can see that. I can hear it. I can tell. <laughs> you have a right to be. I mean, these guys are, they've acted like terrible people. They've acted like scums. They've, uh, they just, they, they haven't handled anything appropriately from the beginning to the non-suspension to not admitting fault to uh, acting like cowards this whole season to blaming other people. It's just, so, so uh, it's just sickening. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm on that level. Of, I mean, I'm not an A's fan, so maybe I'm not as aggravated as you are, but I am a Dodger fan, so I'm, you know, I'm pissed from the first game of the season with Joe Kelly and some 2017 World Series. I'm still upset, so I get your, your pain and your anger 100%. So let me start off with this. Am I being too harsh on the Astros, or do I sound like every other baseball fan that is hating on the Astros? Am I too harsh? I don't think you're being too harsh at all. No, these guys should have, I mean, the fact that they have not been facing any type of ban is absolutely ludicrous. And Joe Kelly has been suspended for seven games for throwing at a player when he didn't even hit a player. And now we have, I mean, I don't think that uh, Laureano, I think Laureano was right to be suspended. It actually has been reduced now to only four games, not five games. And I think that's appropriate. Um, but definitely happy to see that the coach got 20 games. Uh, you can obviously see that they concluded he was the party who was at fault. He was the one in the wrong, or else they wouldn't have gained 20 games. And just like you said, man, you can't be the one to start a fight and then win behind your players and, and, and act all big and tough until it actually gets gritty. And that's something that you just you lose all the mad points right there. Yeah, exactly. So what will it take for the league to get over what the Astros did? Will this hatred towards them ever end? Can you say that one more time? I said, what will it take for the league to get over what the Astros did? Will it ever end? Um, I <laughs> I don't know if the, if the league ever will get over this, to be honest. It seems that Manfred wants to just sweep this under the rug and not talk about it ever again and focus on the future, but I, I, I don't see how that's possible, man. This is just absolutely ludicrous. I'm, one of my favorite Twitter accounts to follow right now is... Uh, it's called Astros 2020 Shame Tour. <laughs> and they're posting all of the statistics um, that the Astros have right now. As, you, as I'm sure you know, they're third in, the or third in the division. And particularly, Jose Altuve has been playing absolutely miserably. And there's no shocker that uh, they, I saw a graph that said from 2017 to 2019, his strike rate, um, his strike and swing rate, um, swing and miss, I should say, swing and miss percentages were 20%, uh, hovering around 20 to 25%. This season on breaking balls, his swing and miss percentage has gone up to almost 50%. Okay, how can you explain that? 
if he pushed to get the best point of his possible career other than that he was absolutely blatantly cheating before and now he doesn't have the ability to cheat and he's paying the price for it. So I, I think that this will this won't end for, for a long time. I don't know how it's going to conclude. I don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, I think if there were fans at the games, I think that would help too because they would just be getting booed left, right, and center. And I think as fans, we would we would feel a little bit better about everything if we were able to see the Astros just get booed every single night. Yeah. But I don't know, man. I don't know if it's going to end. So you kind of already answered this, but were the suspensions good enough that got handed out over this incident? Yeah, um, I, like, yeah like you said, I did touch on it. I think that they were fair. Um, you know, Loriano did deserve something for charging at the the coach, but um, I, I just you can't justify to me that you suspend a player like that or you have suspended Joe Kelly and you're not suspending Bregman or Correa or Altuve or Reddick or... Julie Gurriel or Jordan Alvarez, none of those. Get out of here, man. Come on. <laughs> so, off topic a little bit, but still baseball related. Are there any surprise teams to you right now in baseball? Is there a team that you have not expected to perform like how they are? Is there a team in mind that jumps out to you? Um, well, certainly your athletics have been starting out strong. I can't say that I predicted they'd be, they'd be doing this well coming out of the gate. You and everyone else. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and in terms of odds, obviously the Marlins have, uh, they haven't played as many games as the rest of the league. They're about eight games behind. You know, you got the Braves are 11 and 9, and the Marlins are 8 and 4. But I did not expect the Marlins to start out kind of that way. Um, in terms of a team that's, that's been a disappointment, I'd say the two biggest disappointments right now would have to be the um, Washington Nationals and in the American League, probably either the Angels or the uh, or the Red Sox. I mean, people knew the Red Sox were going to fall off, but it looks like they're they're going to be a bottom feeder team for the next foreseeable future. <laughs> and the Angels, obviously, they signed uh, Anthony Rendon, um, Garrett Richards. They made some serious big additions and. Here they are, 7 and 12, the same level as the Mariners. They got the best player in baseball, and they can't even do anything with it. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like they've been underperforming the last couple of years. And, you know, as an A's yeah. fan, I love it. But at the same time, it doesn't make any sense to me when you have all that talent no. in there and you can't even go 500. I don't get it. The only correlating factor I see is that, you know, we see the Cubs right now are on fire to start the season, 13 and 3. And um, the only difference who their manager was before last season, Joe Madden, and now he's gone over to the Angel. And Joe Madden is supposed to be kind of a pitching guru. He's supposed to be someone that uh, knows how to play smart defensive baseball. You know, he was the one who pretty much started using the shift in baseball and caused that revolution. Uh, but it's, it's kind of a funny coincidence that he leaves the Cubs and their biggest uh, – Detriment last year, their pitching has become their biggest uh, supporter. They, they've got the best pitching rotation in baseball. Hugh Darvish is back to looking like a legitimate ace. And meanwhile, the Angels have had one of the worst rotations in baseball, and, and they have the worst bullpen in baseball. Uh, so I don't know how you explain that other than the managers. <laughs> and and, and get, let's give Ross some credit. Uh, David Ross coming in there and just steadying the ship, you know, he won the championship with those guys in 2016, 
He knows all those guys very well. They know him. They're comfortable with him as their coach. And I think he's just come in and, and steered the ship, and then he's letting these players play. And the Cubs are going to be a, a force to be reckoned with, I think. That actually leads into my next question. Uh, the Cubs are looking very good, you know, best record in baseball. Can they keep it up for the remainder of the regular season? That's a great question. Um, obviously, I think their health is the biggest important thing. We know you, Darvish, has had lots of problems uh, staying healthy over the past, throughout his career, really, but especially over the past couple of years. And John Lester is 37, I would say now, and you don't know if he can last the whole season. Kyle Hendricks is 35, so their rotation is old. Um, and, and the closing pitching does have me a bit worried. Uh, Craig Kimbrell is far from the dominant closer he used to be. Uh, at this point, he's basically a one-pitch pitcher. He can't really seem to throw his knuckle curve uh, with any type of success. He, he just throws his, his heater. And a teeter, which used to be around 100, 101 consistently, now is only going 96, 97, which is still fast, but it's still it's not the same. You know, these big league hitters, they can adjust to it. You only throw in one pitch, and it's, no matter how fast it's coming, they're going to be able to hit you. So I think that they can keep it up all, term, all season long in terms of the offense. The only question mark would be the health of the starting rotation, and uh, if they're going to add a significant bullpen arm, I think they need at least one more big bullpen arm. All righty, we're going to switch it over to the NBA. So the NBA playoffs are set. And last night, Portland kept their season alive with a 134-133 win over the Nets. And that game was something to watch. Lerdo had 42 on the night to end his historic three-game stretch. Most points by a player in the last three games of a regular season in NBA history. Now Portland has to play Memphis in the play-in game to advance to play the Lakers in the first round. And I've been seeing everywhere that the Lakers are scared of Portland right now and Portland being one of the hottest teams in the league Lillard is playing on a different level right now and you as a Lakers fan does this matchup scare you at all oh yes definitely I'm I am terrified of the Blazers uh, much more so than than I would say I am of the Grizzlies um, you know when the Grizzlies had Jerry Jackson Jr. they were a little bit scarier but still uh, Damian Lillard is a legitimate superstar I think that's probably what John Morant, John Morant will be Damian Lillard in maybe three or four years. But as of right now, he's still not there. Damian, Damian is official superstar. And the fact that he can just drop 60 whenever he wants is, is pretty scary. But I think um, what some people are overlooking maybe and getting excited about the offensive firepower that the Blazers have, which they definitely do have, this team, the reason why they're on the eighth seed, the reason why they're scraping into the playoffs, is because they've got atrocious defense. They're terrible at playing defense. I mean, they, they had, the Nets had 133 points, and this is a Nets team that doesn't have Spencer Dinwiddie, doesn't have Kyrie Irving, doesn't have Kevin Durant, doesn't have DeAndre Jordan. I mean, they're, and Damari Carroll, they're missing a lot of big players, and they still, they were one shot away, one jump shot away from being eliminated. Um, so as, as much as maybe Jamie Lillard can be like MJ against the Celtics in the 80s, and go crazy, uh, I don't think it's going to be enough because they're not going to be able to stop AD and LeBron. There's, you can't convince me that there's anybody on that team who could stop AD and LeBron for four years. In fact, if we remember two years ago, the Pelicans played uh, against the Blazers team, which is basically the same exact core that they have now, and the Pelicans swept 
the Blazers, and Anthony Davis averaged, I think, 44 and 17 and three, three and a half blocks a game. I mean, he just went absolutely crazy. And now we've got LeBron with him, too. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be too much of a problem. It's probably going to be a five-game five series, maybe six. Maybe six. So out of all the playoff matchups, which lower seed has a chance of upsetting a higher seed in the first round? Oh, that's a good question. I have to take a look to make sure I got this right. I think that um, all of the Eastern Conference series are going to be won by the top seeds. I don't, I don't foresee anybody. The Sixers have the biggest potential uh, to upset, but without Simmons, it's going to be very hard for them to keep up. Now, if we get over to the Western Conference, the biggest upset I could see possibly is the Dallas Mavericks over the LA Clippers. Mm-hmm. I also got to shock probably a lot of people. Clippers are a resounding favorite of the Western Conference, and for good reason. They have two legitimate superstars, Kawhi and PG, and Kawhi proving last year's playoffs that he's the best player on the court and maybe the best player in the league when he wants to be. But Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis are going to be able to go toe for toe with them in terms of scoring. Uh, we've seen the Mavericks beat teams like the Miami Heat back in 2011, and even on that title run, they beat the Lakers, the, the Thunder, the Spurs, the, all these teams that they weren't supposed to beat along the way they did, and it was because of superior coaching. I think Rick Carlisle is an amazing coach, definitely a better coach than Doc Rivers is. And the Mavericks had the number one offensive efficiency rating this year in the league, not just for this season, though. Number one offensive efficiency rating of all time. They were the most efficient offense of all time. Now, unfortunately, they have a bit of a problem that the Trailblazers have. They do struggle on defense as well. So I think this is going to be extremely high-scoring series. It's going to be a ton of fun to watch. But with Luka Doncic out there, if he can play, we saw them beat the Bucks last week, and he was the best player on that court with Giannis out there. So if Luka Doncic can play out of his mind, and Kristaps Porzingis, has, has the potential to be a huge mismatch. They don't have anybody that's even over seven foot on that team. The closest they have is Ezekiel Dubach, who we know is a terrible, terrible defender. <laughs> so Kristaps has the ability in this series to enforce his will. He has the ability in this series to truly, truly dominate every game with his size and his ability to space the floor, take it to the basket, be a playmaker. They can cause some serious problems. That being said, would I bet my money on the Mavericks to win the series? <laughs> Probably not. But I think they have the biggest potential upset. So these games in the bubble have been the best basketball I've watched in a while. Guys are playing harder. But it doesn't have the intensity oh, yeah. it usually has because there's no fans. But it's still great. How are the playoffs going to be any different than the seeding games that we just watched last week? Well, I think they're going to be – they're going to be amazing to watch. But like you said, these games have been a ton of fun to watch for intensity-wise. And for the most part, they don't. They haven't really meant a, a ton. I mean, yeah, there's been seeding to play for. But I think if you ask most of these teams, without home field advantage or home court advantage and, and fans in the stadium, I don't think anybody really cares about uh, what their seeding is. They all know that they've got to beat the best teams along their way if they're going to win the finals. So... You know, the Clippers don't play, or they don't care if they have to play the Lakers next round or whatever it is, even though that's not the way of seeding. My point just being that um, I don't think seeding has mattered as much. So as a result, these games, while they've been a ton of public exciting to watch, 
they haven't had everything on the line. Now, imagine if we amplify that. Now everything is on the line. Every game is balls to the wall. There's just pure focus on the game. There's no distractions by a crowd, you know, negative or positive. We're just going to see guys going out there, balling out, and all of these guys want to win this title. If you hear Giannis and LeBron talk, Kawhi talk, they, they're, they're saying this is a completely legitimate title. There's no asterisk by this. You've got to be more focused, perhaps, than you've ever been before if you want to win this title because there is no home crowd to boost you up. You know, there is only your opponent in front of you. So I think these games are going to be so, so exciting. I feel that 100%. Uh, is this LeBron's last best chance in winning another title? Ooh, no, I think I, 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 I think he's still got couple of years left in him. You know, it, it obviously remains to be seen whether Anthony Davis will sign the extension. But by all accounts and facts, it seems that he's, he's going to, barring maybe a first round, if we get first round swept by the Blazers, he would leave. <laughs> but we all know that's not going to happen. Uh, he's going to re-up. We're gonna, we were able to give him more money than any other team in the league. We're able to give him a super max contract. Nobody else can do that. And so with the two of them there, at least for the next three or four years, I think we're con consistently going to be competing for the title. I think you have history on your side because LeBron's never been knocked out in the first round, so you got that to carry with you as well. Yep, yep, and I don't think it's going to change this year now that he's got the best partner teammate, all respect to Dwayne Wade, maybe <laughs> Dwayne Wade, maybe the best guard the teammate has ever had, but AD is the best big man he's ever had, and it's not even close. So... There's been some controversy over this next question. Since the Suns went 8-0, do you think that they should have had at least a chance to play against Memphis after going 8-0 in the bubble for that nine seed? Ooh, that's a good one. I mean, yes and no. Because I think that the Grizzlies shouldn't be penalized for coming into the bubble with the best record. You know, they, they came in three games ahead of the next best team or three and a half games, and to penalize that for for simply not maybe being as talented of a team as the Phoenix Suns are, which, you know, let's be honest, they aren't, especially without Jerry Jackson Jr. Um, I think it's tough to punish them, but I think the Suns can keep their head up high. I think they have a lot to work on for the next season. They have a lot to be proud of for what they did here in 8-0. I think I saw a speech from Monty Williams yesterday talking to his son's players saying, regardless of what happened, you guys have reserved to, uh, you guys have earned the respect of the league. And that is true. I think around the league, people are saying, okay, Devin Booker maybe is here as a superstar, and this son's team is going to be a force to be reckoned with. It's a nice young core. You know, they don't have, I, I think Ricky Rubio might be the biggest veteran on that team, and he's only 30 or 31. So they've got a bright young future. I, I think we would all love to see them in the playoffs, no doubt. But it's harsh to penalize the Grizzlies. Um, and it's it's harsh to penalize the Blazers, as we talked about earlier. They've got an immense level of talent as well. All right. So last thing for the NBA, we're going to do rapid playoff uh, predictions. So I'm just going to name you the matchup, and you're going to give me the answer right away. Of who you think okay, is going to win the series. Okay, this is just who wins the series you're talking yep, just about? just who wins the series. I don't need how many games, just who wins. And then give me a okay, short reason Okay, series and, and how many games. All right, go for it. Okay. So, I'm gonna, this first one's going to be Lakers or Blazers-Grizzlies. Lakers in five. Okay. Clippers-Mavs. 
Clippers in seven. Okay. Nuggets, Jazz. In six. Jazz and six? No, Nuggets and six. Nuggets and six. Okay. Rockets, Thunder. Ooh, this is a tough one. Rockets and seven. Rockets and seven. Okay. Bucks, Magic. Bucks and four. Raptors, Nets. Raptors and four. Celtics, 76ers. This might shock some people. Celtics and four. And finally, my favorite one of the entire playoffs, Heat Pacers. Mm-hmm. Your two, your two teams going at it. Um, I, got the, I got the Heat and six. Heat and six. I can respect that. TJ Warren might pop off for a game or two. I can respect that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And Oladipo. And I think the health of a Sabonis, I, I read it this morning, is still up in the air. They say maybe he'll come back, but he's definitely going to miss at least the first two games. So without him, it's definitely going to be tough. Maybe say Heat and five if he doesn't play in the series. All right, so one more quick thing. The Packers have been pretty strange with their star quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, drafting Jordan Love in the first round last year. Is it starting to feel like to you that Rodgers will not finish his career in Green Bay? Ooh, yeah, a Packers fan, to those who don't know, and a diehard one at that. And a diehard Aaron Rodgers fan, even more so than that. And uh, I do I do think he's going to end this career somewhere else. Um, I don't think he's going to end it in Green Bay. I think he came out a couple of weeks ago and was quoted as pretty much saying as much. He said, well, I don't think they want me to be here. He says, I want to be here, but I don't think they want me to be here. And that's pretty obvious in the case that they drafted Jordan Love in a, in a draft that is very receiver heavy in terms of talent and we show and receiver being the one position that we desperately needed and we chose to improve our backup quarterback um, that pretty much gives you all the signs you need from the organization that they're going to be rid of Barrett Rogers in two years uh, when his contract expires as sad it is for me to say so that's probably heartbreaking because uh you know, I've been there. I've done that as well. So I can only feel for you when that time comes. So if he yeah, does... Yeah, I know you know the pain. <laughs> definitely know the pain. <laughs> if he does decide to leave, where do you think he will have the best success? I know you said the Bears would be the worst place he could go. <laughs> oh, where, yeah. Where's the best no, place? I, I, don't, I think Brett, uh, Brett Favre was saying he would love to see uh, Aaron Rodgers go to the Brave on a podcast yesterday. Well, you know what? Screw you, Brett Favre. You've always hated Aaron Rodgers. You're just being a troll, you damn bastard. So, where's the best place <laughs> but, he could um, go in the eye of a Packers fan? I think it'd be, hard for, it, it'd be hard for Aaron to stay in the NFC, you know, just the same way with Buffett or Tom Brady to stay in the AFC. Uh, I think he would go go to the opposite conference. Um, he would go to the AFC. Um, I mean, there's a ton of options. I think if he was on the Buffalo Bills, they could be very scary. Um, I think, well, before the Patriots had Cam Nippon, I would have said, obviously, the Patriots. But um, I'd have to say probably the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. That'd be the best place that he could go for, for, for a pass. Yeah, or, 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 I mean, the I think the, the Colts would be good because I think Aaron Rodgers loves playing in a dome. So he would love the opportunity to play dome games. Um, but in terms of Buffalo, you know, he's already used to playing in the bitter cold, so that wouldn't be a problem. And Buffalo definitely has the best defense in the AFC, maybe besides the Patriots. But, 
But your Colts would definitely be a good landing spot for him, too. I, I can't be. argue. They would be, but I don't know how I feel about him being at number 12. <laughs> yeah, I could also see. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I could also see him definitely going to the Chargers. You know, he loved, he's a California boy. Um, you know, the Chargers desperately need a quarterback. We're waiting to see if Herbert is going to be the one or not. But. Uh, I think that any team in the league would take uh, Aaron Rodgers over Justin well, What Herbert. about the Raiders? You know, David Carr's not going to be there forever. The Raiders could be a spot. Yeah, the Raiders would be a fun one. I think the Chargers are fun because they have the most uh, wide receiver potential with Keenan Allen, you know, and, and the multiple options that they have down there in L.A. So the Raiders, Bills, and then maybe the Colts would be the landing spot for Aaron Rodgers. Oh, no, 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 no. Chargers. Chargers. Colts. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully he doesn't go to the Bears. That would be detrimental to you guys again for the second time. <laughs> yeah, you might you might see me with a, a noose in my room if I, <laughs> I have, uh, have to see that. That'll be a tough one to swallow. <laughs> oh boy. All right, hey Jimmy. Thanks for coming on. We'll have you on next week as well, and then uh, we'll have some picks for you next week as well. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Hey, anybody. Uh, one pick before I go, we got MMA tomorrow night. Sean O'Malley, if anybody is, is going to be watching the fight, I would say put your, your life savings up with Sean O'Malley. No, don't, not really. I, I said last week, don't do, don't do that. But I'm very, very confident in Sean O'Malley. He is one of the most elite fighters I've ever watched technically skilled. I don't think it's going to be too long before we see this guy being a champion. He's got a very distinct look. He's got a big old rainbow afro. You can't miss him. He looks at his rainbow dreads in the ring. But, uh... Anybody watch this kid fight, you're going to have a great time. And afterwards, we got Cormier versus Miocic for the uh, UFC heavyweight title. It's a trilogy fight. You know, they each knocked each other out back-to-back. And this is going to be, you know, the battle of the big dogs, the GOAT, the best of all time. So I'd say that game, just put put your popcorn in, get your beer out, watch it, and uh, enjoy tomorrow night's fight. Thanks for having me on the show, James. I'll catch you next week. Of course. Enjoy those NBA first games, too, before next week as well. They're going to be fun to watch. Most definitely, brother. Have a later. All right. See you, Jimmy. Uh, My good friend Jimmy Davis, once again, always knowledgeable about multiple sports. That's why I love bringing him on. He's He's just so great to talk to. So uh, my guarantee weekend picks of the week. I went two and three last week. Not the best, but it puts me at 12 and three overall. So this weekend today, I like the Yankees over the Red Sox six to two. And I also like the Dodgers over the Angels today, seven to two. And tomorrow I have two games as well. Uh, Tomorrow I like the Indians over the Tigers four to three. I do like my A's beating the Giants 6-4. And then my one game on Sunday, I do like the Twins over the Royals 3-2-1. And that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. I need to make these longer. but um, I need to start bringing in some more guests. I think I'm going to start doing that as well. But I do like making these weekend picks. I'm going to keep doing them, see how good I am. So 12-3 and three overall. Let's go for 5-0 and 0 again this weekend. So for myself, James Guerin, all the way from St. George, Utah, thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great weekend, guys. Be safe. August is almost halfway over. Have a good weekend, guys. Aloha.